Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the News from the Nerds podcast, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll cover the main news headlines from the past week, including what time of year it is, outcomes from testing, the latest news and updates on the safety car, the lowdown on Drive to Survive, and an exclusive interview regarding supercars. Now, obviously, I'm not doing all this alone. Today, I have with me Bridge. How are you, Bridge? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be back. And we have James. How are you, James? Yeah, all good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And Grace cannot be here with us this week, so we have Super Sub Sam back. Sam, how are you? I am good, thank you. Yeah, I mean, there are three certainties in life, right? Death taxes and Grace being, you know, busy or ill or (laughs) stuck in Spain or wherever. Obviously, this week it is race week. Formula One, Formula Two and Formula Three are back on our TV screens, racing in Bahrain. Now, I for one am very excited, especially since McLaren announced earlier today that Daniel Ricciardo has tested negative for COVID now, so he will be racing in the McLaren this weekend. And also, because we are covering Formula 2 and Formula 3 more extensively this season, I know that my weekend is going to be jam-packed with all the practice sessions, all quality, Sprint races, feature races, you name it. So, what are you guys? Are you guys excited for this weekend? I'm, uh, I'm actually quite apprehensive. I'm, I'm nervous. I think it's a, a big unknown, isn't it? Um, we think, you know, everyone's put out where they think the cars are in terms of, sort of kind of relative order, but really, we don't know until Saturday when uh, you see the cars in anger in qualifying. As a Hamilton fan. I'm nervous. I'm kind of thinking this could be his last chance to get the eighth title. So, yeah, I'm more apprehensive. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm really looking forward to it, if I'm being honest with you. Bridge, what were you grimacing at? Hamilton fans. 
literally just curled his lip at you. No, to be to be honest, it's 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 a big question mark on the season, isn't it? It's just very no one really knows what's going to happen, and that can either go in one of two ways. It can either go very well, where we get a very competitive season, where everyone's you know very competitive, or someone can just run off into the distance and ruin it all. Ferrari, please. It is scary because it is so unprecedented, but there are old faces returning to the Formula One grid this weekend, as well as a rookie. And in Formula Two and Formula Three, there are half the grids in both formulas are also rookies. So I'm excited to see the new talent driving and to see the likes of Kevin Magnussen returning and Alex Albon as well. So James, how are you feeling? Are you apprehensive like us or? It could be, yeah, it could be a total disaster. If you get one team who are just totally running off into the distance. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I stick my my Lewis cap on just to, to spite Bridge a bit more, I would love him to come back, wreak vengeance and then sail off into the sunset and retire. But no, I think as an F1 fan, first and foremost, I, yeah, I just, I want, I mean, if we could get three or four teams at the front closely, you know, like a 2012 where we have different, a 2012 where we have different winners in the first six, six, seven races, then that would be ideal. It's just, yeah, it, it could so easily be, if Red Bull run away with it, like it, you know, they seem to be pretty confident. They seem to have done pretty well at the the first, the, at the end of the test. It could be Max winning the first 10 races. I mean, Mercedes have won the opening race of the season for three years straight. So I am hoping that Lewis wins it. I would like to see Lewis win his title and excel this year. So I'm hoping he wins it over George Russell, but I just can't wait to have my weekend completely full of Formula One, Formula Two and Formula Three. We might have to start making this podcast like a a video audio podcast, if that's even a thing, because Bridge is just (laughs) at every every mention of Hamilton, Bridge is getting more and more sassy. I just feel outnumbered. In silence. I just feel outnumbered and it's it's very I know I know that people feel like he was robbed. And yes, on paper he was robbed. Absolutely. On paper, robbed. Okay, but so on paper I he need, was robbed. In I what need, way was he not robbed? I need someone else, please. Someone else to just support me. <laughs> what, what, let, let, let's, let's rewind a second, right? The first person to mention that was Bridge. None, none of us mentioned it. No one's, as far as I'm aware, no one brought up Happy Dabby. It's all they're very defensive there, Bridge. Look, Sam, Sam and James, I don't mind. Okay, Sam and James, you've always been very outspoken in your Hamilton ways. But Abby... You're a McLaren fan. Support your team, please. Don't just... Just because they look slow and because Lando looks has been saying, oh, no, I don't know. We might be a mid, mid-table mid team. You need to step up, all right? I've, I've been a Ferrari fan for very painful seasons. So let's... You've got, st- you got to stick with your team. I'm a McLaren fan, but Lewis Hamilton is also one of my favourite drivers. I will support Lewis. I'm with Sam and James on this one. It's Lewis Hamilton. You're I would also like to say that the McLaren, it's not that it looks slow, it's that it looks ugly. Not, not this again. again. <laughs> oh, no, it is. It's um, 100%. No, right. Okay, so it's ugly. I didn't bring it up, but I have vengeance, vengeance, that's not the <laughs> vindication is sweet. 
BBC Sport did a poll. McLaren voted officially the best-looking car, according to the great British public. You're you're officially wrong now. Objectively, subjectively, I don't care. 10,000 people <laughs> backing me up. Do one. <laughs> There's so much emotion in that. I, feel, I felt like I've been growing crazy. Although, interestingly, you guys all seem to think that like the, the extra bit of black was an improvement. I actually didn't like it as much. And the, I, well, we've literally just before we came on the podcast, seen the, the addition of the, the Google sponsorship. I, I think I agree with Sam. You said that you thought the, the little chrome colors around the, the inside of the wheels is quite cool. Uh, I'm not sure that the, the green Android sticker adds much. It didn't need another color on that car. I think it's like cute. And I think, I think I was maybe being ironic. I'm not sure. I can't really, you know, I can't really recall, but... Yeah, you yeah, said I mean, cute. I was just giving you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt by saying cool, because, you know... <laughs> hey, look, you know, things are cute in life. Um, yeah, I actually quite like the little Android bit, but the Google colours on the on the wheel, I'm not a fan of too. I didn't want the wheel kind of borders, well, they covers. Covers, yeah. Yeah, that's the word. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of them coming back to wheels, you. I wanted some designs on them, so I'm just quite happy to see anything. Like, I wanted... Like, before we saw the reveals, I was expecting AlphaTauri to have some white wheel covers, people to integrate the, you know, something into them, like Alfa Romeo did, and no one did anything. They're just black, and they look like your spare wheel going down the motorway. But yeah, speaking of last week, it all went a bit wrong for McLaren. Uh, it, it, they did pretty well overall in the first week. The talk was McLaren and Ferrari kind of maybe being the class of the field, obviously with the the caveat that Mercedes and Red Bull probably sandbagging. But the the wheels the wheels didn't fall off, but the brakes pretty much did. I mean, I, I still think a lot of teams are playing games at this point. I don't think anyone's really showed their true hand at the moment, um, especially with the regulations the way they are. You know, there's so many different interpretations of what people are doing. Um, I, I don't see anyone showing their hand until... Saturday afternoon when qualifying starts to be honest um, so yeah hopefully Ferrari can, can stay at the front please yeah I mean because we've seen Lewis Hamilton and George Russell say that with the Mercedes it's not as quick as previous years they're not going to be competing for wins at this point in time but then Hamilton did say yesterday at the Dubai Expo that Mercedes are undoubtedly still the best team so I think it, no one knows what's going to happen. I think, like you said, Bridge, they are all trying to play mind games with each other and not manipulate, but kind of be like, oh, we're not going to do as well. And then on at the weekend, they'll bring it out of the bag. And hopefully we will have loads of teams and loads of drivers fighting up the front of the field and giving us a good battle. But at this point, we don't know. I'm sorry, but doesn't Lewis make the exact same announcement every single year? Every single year, it's yeah, guys. I think we've got it wrong. I think we got it. And then fast forward to Bahrain. Oh, Lewis Hamilton wins in Bahrain. No, it's, please stop. You're not winning any poker hands, Lewis. I'll say that. For, I'll say that. Pretty much. I mean, you'd say that they they were genuinely struggling last year, uh, and they ended up winning the first race. But the Red Bull was clearly the better car. Um, yeah. No, it's definitely they are the. I saw someone say Toto is the the boy who cried wolf, which I quite enjoyed. But 
it's true. They they generally played like to play the underdog despite winning seven, eight titles on on the trot. But for once, it did genuinely look like they were they were struggling. They they were visibly struggling with the porpoising more than anyone else. And that's I think uh, when Lewis says about the having the best team, I think that's you know him standardly binging up his his troops and saying you know we're the best team, we'll overcome it. He's not saying that they're going to be at the front. It's interesting you mentioned porpoising and in the same kind of sentences, kind of mind games, essentially, because I saw earlier that Alpine was saying that they now understand it and they now know how to stop it. But actually what they're now considering is, is it useful? Is it actually quicker in certain cases? And I can imagine the drivers please, you know, kind of thinking, please no, like it looks incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but if that is true, could the teams be you know, upping that to make it look like they've got a problem. You know, Mercedes clearly are not above mind games. So basically, I'm I'm just not buying into any of the kind of downplaying or upplaying or anything like that until we see how quick the cars are relatively on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to approach it, really. There's, There's no, I mean, there's no point, really over-examining everything that's gone on in the last three days. Overall, Red Bull looks strong. Just to summarise, certainly they brought upgrades on the final day and a new side pod design, not as extreme as the Mercedes hide pod, I think I saw it called. No one came up with a particularly catchy name. But yeah, lack of a side pod. Uh, Yeah, Ferrari have looked consistent throughout. Uh, Generally been near the top. Gonbridge. You know, do you want to? Well, no. Well, more? you said it. You said it. But we've we've been near the top. That's we just need to stop it there. We just need to we we just need to yeah. stay near the top now, and that'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I I genuinely would love to see that. I want to see Ferrari back fighting at the front. The last two years have been pretty tough for the Tifosi, and I mean, it's been what two thousand and seven since the title. I think it's long overdue. What I will say as well um, is that when Ferrari do well. Haas usually do not well, but they, they usually do all right. And with this new driver lineup, well, half new driver lineup, I am quite excited that my prophecy might come true in, in that they might become a midfield team this year once again. Do any oh, he's switching his prophecy suddenly away from Mazepin? Oh, no, look, after the, <laughs> I'm not going to get political on this on this podcast, but. After the Russia situation, I, I have taken a step back from the Mazepin camp. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? We'll just, we'll just okay. There. Okay, so you're now switching to Magnussen, 22 champion. I never... Why do people just put things in my mind? I never said Mazepin okay. was going to be a world champion. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we troll back through that one out. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie, put a little rewind in here, please. I, I, need, I need some actual evidence that I said. But, um, but yeah... Haas, I do think, if all goes well, um, and it usually doesn't in the Haas camp, but if it does, it's going to be good to see them back in the midfield and at least, you know, pushing a little bit further up. So here's one. Who do we think is going to be at the back then? If we're if we're backing Haas to, to maybe crawl their way back into the midfield, is there someone we suspect will be the wooden spoon? I'm seeing a lot of people suggest Williams or Alfa Romeo, which isn't a particularly spicy take, um, seeing as they were at the back last year with Haas. Um, 
I I said that I thought Vettel would win the championship, but increasingly I'm starting to think will Aston Martin be towards the the back half of the grid? I'm a little bit worried. I think Bridge disagrees with you there, considering he's chuckling away to himself. Sorry, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> did you say? Did you say Sebastian Vettel? Yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. All right. How much? How much bourbon you had, mate? I don't know how how much have you been drinking during the day to get through the workday? Um, I would like to say directly and beho- on behalf of my employers, none. <laughs> um, so, do, do you know what on. though? Actually, James, sorry, just to quickly answer your question, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say that Alpine are going to be maybe not at the back, but they're going to be a surprise, uh, a surprise disappointment. I think. I think they're going to suffer quite a lot with all the structural changes within the whole team, and then obviously the, the lack of Alan Prost. I don't know how much that all. That won't, that, you know, I don't know how much that will help them, but I'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think we've, we've said before we we think it could go dramatically either way for Alpine. It'll be a bit all or nothing. They could surprise and be near the front, having just kind of gone under the radar in testing, or yeah, they could struggle. Um, it's interesting. So, so, Sam, you said about uh, Alfa Romeo or Williams potentially being at the back. I saw uh, there was basically someone had broken down the mini sectors, the best mini sectors from testing. So, you know, when we briefly, I think during qualifying, saw those tiny little like green and purple blocks, it's it's normally about a corner or half a straight or so. And they'd put together the best potential lap time from each team, according to those. Red Bull were at the top of pretty much everything. Alfa Romeo was second or third across the board. And it was Williams and Alfa Tauri at the bottom. I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly what that means, as with everything. But I thought it was quite interesting because it, it generally fit the 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 textbook across the board, apart from just Alpha randomly being up there near the top throughout. So maybe Bottas for champion. Well, I was about to mention Bottas. I was going to say, you know, just because Bottas might be in a in a you know a Grand Prix winning car this season doesn't mean he's not going to be a midfield runner. So obviously, unfortunately, Abu Dhabi is still hanging over us, uh, including news over the last day or so regarding the changes to the safety car procedures. Uh, good news is the word all has now been added into the regulations now. So hopefully uh, the situation that happened in Abu Dhabi with the safety car will never happen again. And I, for one, I'm quite happy about this change, I think. Yeah, so I think the regulations before said any, didn't they? Which, like... That wasn't really concise. It wasn't really clear. And we've had this conversation before how the rules weren't that clarified. So having all in there, it is clarified. It is clear. There is no room for error now. It shouldn't happen again, which hopefully it never does. Um, So yeah, I'm glad that they've changed them and updated it for now. I mean, it wasn't really a problem until Red Bull and Jonathan Wheatley and the stewards, to be fair, tried desperately to justify Michael Massey's decision. Any meaning all, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous at the time, to be honest. It was so clearly meant any cars behind. It, concise, not concise. I mean, it was clear what that, what that regulation meant. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this time and time again over the last two, three months. But all I can say is that at least now the rules are clear and 100. But moving swiftly on from myself and Bridge embarrassing ourselves um, to all the listeners, last week was, of course, the release of Drive to Survive Season 4. Guys, you've had the best part of a week's watch it. What are your thoughts? Up until the Abu Dhabi episodes, which I think are eight and nine, I think there's nine episodes, um, I I struggled to watch it. And I think it was mainly because I watched so much of the actual season. And I think that's what kind of ruined it for me, was the fact that I knew what happened in pretty much every race, every qualifying session. Because of Formula Nerds, I covered most of the season off track as well as on it. So it was... I knew what it what was going to happen. So it was like going into a movie and know what's going to happen. Um, but Abu Dhabi, we at least had kind of reactions from Lewis, from Toto, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. And it was, it was, it was actually quite nice to relive that moment again. Um, as controversial as it was, it was, it was a very nice moment to relive in sports history. Come on, you can't disagree with me on that. In sports history... Oh, I absolutely can. No, it was one of the worst... History, it, it's a controversial and watchable moment. You can watch that moment over and over and over again. Yeah, the word, you used, controversial. The, the, the word you used was enjoyable. Yeah, it think... was enjoyable, okay? It was enjoyable. It, I'm sticking I, by my guts. <laughs> Abby, stop shaking your head. I'm sticking by it. <laughs> If you were rooting for Max, it might have been. If you were either a neutral for the sake of the sport or a Lewis Hamilton fan, it was not enjoyable and you probably don't want to watch it again. You can say it was a, a momentous occasion in okay. sport. A momentous. But it was, it was not enjoyable. Well, it was enjoyable. I was screaming and shouting and kissing everybody I could get my hands on in that, in that front room. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wait, was this when you were re when you were watching Drive to Survive? No, <laughs> no, 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 that wasn't. Time. No, that wasn't. I didn't enjoy it that much. I didn't enjoy it that much where I've rewatched it. <laughs> but um, but no, uh, yeah, Drive to Survive up until the last two episodes was wasn't wasn't really it for me. See, I'm in agreement with you, and I've I, full full disclosure. I haven't actually finished it yet. I haven't actually got to the Abu Dhabi episodes, but I personally don't like don't enjoy watching miscarriages of of justice. So I don't think I will enjoy watching those episodes. But yeah, I'm fully with you, Bridge. I I think Drive to Survive has got to the point where it's a brilliant marketing tool for the sport. It's brilliant at bringing in new fans and helping to educate them, helping to show them, you know, some really interesting insights behind the scenes. But when you watch every weekend, when you, you know, cover the sport, like a you know a you know a really big fan does, it's difficult to watch because yeah, there's misuses of quotes, of footage, of narratives, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I just found it, given how the season ended, difficult to kind of return to that year. Yeah, I mean, so I said last week, I was kind of on the fence about actually watching it, and I'd I'd wait and see what the reaction was. And I pretty quickly came to the conclusion that I don't think I am going to watch it. Uh, I struggled my way through season three somewhat. And yeah, all the things that I worried would be the case appear to be the case. And I've seen enough clips. It, you know, the, the best of the 
behind the scenes, at least like Bridge says early on, is you know Christian Horner seemingly riding a horse, painfully speaking in a very clearly scripted conversation with Jerry Halliwell. Sorry, Jerry Horner. It is. It is the Christian Horner show. It is literally the yeah. Christian Horner. Christian Horner is the main character of this show. <laughs> it's Christian Corner. Was that, was that uh, it's Christian slip? Uh, yeah, it's. I've I've generally had enough of Christian Horner. <laughs> Even before last year, I'd had enough of him. So, yeah, it's it's not for me this year. I think, and yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Like touching on what you were saying, Sam. It has always been a, obviously about bringing new fans in. It's done a fantastic job of that. But I've noticed the the kind of the general public consensus about it changing this year. It seems to have gone from you know the real diehard fans going, "Oh, isn't that cringeworthy?" They made it look like Lando and Carlos hate each other. To everyone kind of accepting that they've twisted things, that it's for show, and the narrative has changed a bit. And you've had Lando recently saying he was kind of borderline with certain things that they used about him I think it, it needs to change and that has been said I think to, to stay relevant now in yeah like you guys have said it is a great marketing tool and I did watch it all I was excited to watch it but it wasn't that great I think I didn't like how they pitted Lando and Daniel against each other like fair enough teammates are going to have rivalries in that but like you said James Lando has even said that some things he said were taken out of context but one thing I did like was seeing Science and Leclerc and their relationship as teammates and also Toto's son. And with Christian Horner, I didn't like him before I watched it. And I watched about 10 minutes of the first episode and my dislike for him like shot up exponentially. I really didn't like how he came across in the series. But yeah, it's good for the sport, but also not good in a way. I'm in I'm in two minds about Christian Horner because on one on one hand, yes, he completely over dramatizes himself for the camera and he just, you know, it's it's ridiculous. It's not, like the horse riding scene was just preposterous. I don't know what he was thinking there. But then on the other side, some of the things he said, I won't directly quote because I can't remember and I don't want to misquote him, but there was some things that he said where I was like, okay, yeah, he is a genuine competitor and he wants to do everything he possibly can for his team to push his team across the line. And yeah, you know, when you've lost this, lost so many times to Toto Wolf, I understand where he's coming from. Um, and from like, because I'm a very competitive person, I understand where he's coming from. But then to the regular Netflix audience, it can look a little bit, uh, yeah, I won't say the word, but um, but yeah. Yeah, with Christian Horner, I kind of love to hate him. Um, and, you know, obviously with me being a, a Hamilton fan, that's kind of, you know, natural. I think he's incredibly good at what he does. And I think there is a level of arrogance that will come with that. And I think ultimately, though, I think he's playing a character on Drive to Survive. I don't think he's really playing his true self. And you see that in those, you know, clearly scripted scenes. Uh, to his credit, I don't think it was. Pro- it might have been his idea to be on the horse, but it could have been the producers um, who want to kind of you know really build in that folksy country kind of charm. Um, but yes, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think the thing that really made me laugh is this kind of narrative of oh, Mercedes have had it easy. You know, it's 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 you know it's it's almost their fault that they're winning. And it's like well, you're the competition for the last six seven years. You guys haven't been up to par. 
that's no one else's fault but yourselves. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's quite interesting the way they kind of play that. Um, but yeah, I, I he's he's got a huge watchable quality, um, and I think he's definitely a, a big draw for the series. And lastly, this weekend, the Formula Nerds went to Silverstone Circuit to see the Supercarts racing. Now, if you have looked at our website, you will see that we sponsor Samantha Hempshell, who races in Supercarts, and she currently holds the lap record for the national circuit at Silverstone. And this weekend, it was the first race of the season, and it was great to see her because she started fifth in her class and 17th overall on the grid. And she achieved P2 in her class, which was just an amazing achievement considering the first two races of the weekend weren't that successful for her. But she managed to finish on a high. So keep listening for a short exclusive interview with Samantha Hempshaw. So we're here today at Silverstone with Abby and Samantha Hempshaw. How are you, Sam? Uh, very happy now. Finish on a positive note. Oh, awesome. So we watched you. We were sat at Chapel. We saw you finish second. That's mint. Well done. You won the Bennett Scholarship um, last season. How has that improved your chances of winning this season? Has it improved the many? Uh, yeah, it's a huge opportunity for us this year. So um, the, the package um, of the Bennett Scholarship is a £2,000 um, cash to support, which you can spend on um, what you see fit to make you go faster. Um, and then you also have the backing and support of Gavin Bennett, who is a British and European champion, has got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. Um, and then with that as well came a brand new Anderson Maverick chassis. So um, it's just really given us that extra force um, to kind of move up the grid and just have that consistency. And Gavin's knowledge and um, experience is just invaluable to me and having him here this weekend just to look at the data just to give me a bit of confidence um, I'm really grateful for that it's invaluable um, So has, has Gavin already sort of put any knowledge on you is there anything he's come in and said and that you've tweaked and that's helped you or nothing um, at all The data is a huge thing where I didn't have the kind of experience and knowledge to dive into it to see where we're going wrong what can we do and we overlay that he's got obviously so much data from his time in racing that we can overlay it and see where i'm slower and can improve where i'm going well um my starts are have always been a bit crap um and he's kind of given me that boost and advice on this is what you need to do and yesterday on the first race I got an absolute belt of a start probably the best start I've ever had in my racing career so um, I think that just proves that he gives me that confidence to, yeah. to move forwards yeah. and I believe the court's changed for you this year in the aspects of your now left foot braking as well how yeah. are you finding that? Um, so the left foot braking came to me pretty well really it's we've moved from three pedals was on a foot clutch onto a hand clutch and obviously trying to push me to do left foot braking um, because you're obviously on and off the power a lot it's a lot more efficient um, that's come to me quite well I enjoy that it's just the hand clutch getting into your instincts that if when it goes wrong if it seizes or if you spin to grab the hand clutch rather than putting your foot to the floor which actually is the brake so I have flat spotted quite a few sets of tyres 
but that's <laughs> that's just going to come with experience um, and having that instinct to grab the hand clutch instead of stamping on the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, where can we find you this season? So you've obviously you've started at Silverstone. Where are you going next? Uh, Cadwell next. We've got um, with the British um, Supercar Super Series next at Cadwell end of April. We're there a week later with the British Championship, the MUK. Um, and then we're all over this year. Lights of Anglesey, Alton Park, Donington, Snetterton. Um, so yeah, we've got a few really, really good circuits. And is there any circuit that springs to mind where you think I'm finally going to get that win? Um, I did well at Alton Park. Obviously, when you you yeah. guys, I put it on the front row at qualifying. I I like Alton Park. It's quite technical. Um, Donington. I really don't get on with so I'd like I'd really like to master Donington rather than going in dreading it I'd like to go to Donington and come away and think right we've cracked it yeah um, so where can people find you on social media how can they help you and is there anything people can do to support you um, so I'm on Instagram um, Facebook and Twitter um, some out for Hemptial Racing um, I've also got a GoFundMe page um, ultimately we're in an expensive sport um tires are the f at the forefront a brand new set of tires will gain seconds um so that's where we the funding really really supports us but also just getting the sport out there getting my name out there um that's a huge help to us yeah and obviously at formulaneers.com we have a profile of sam so if you want to know any more about it get yourself over there the GoFundMe page is also there, so if you want to support Sam, please do so. And we love Sam so much because she also supports the sport as well. It's not all about Sam. So that's why it's great talking to Sam and going and watching her racing. And she's also the best girl out there, so that's mint. Well, it's great to hear from Samantha. And I'm sure she'll be watching as we will this weekend as we head to Bahrain. So we'll see you on the other side next week. In the meantime, make sure to check out Formula Nut. Make sure to check out FormulaNerds.com for all the latest news and reaction to the first race and head over to the Cut to the Race podcast for our first post-race podcast of the season. And I've been missing those over the winter. So until then, we'll see you next week. Network.